You're listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Wendy Pett. And every week, I'll give you holistic, practical solutions for everyday issues related to nutrition, healing, functional fitness, and behavior modifications. As a naturopath, fitness expert, and wellness coach for over 20 years, my goal is to empower you to reach for greater health and to rise up to your next level of living in mind, body, and spirit. You were created with greatness in mind. It's time to own it. Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Hello and welcome to this episode of Visibly Fit. I'm your host, Wendy Pett, and I am so excited to have my guest on with me today. Last month, I had a licensed marriage and family therapist on, and this month I'm having one on as well because tis the season with the holidays, and I just think it's so vital that we um, have the right tools and um, maybe just some some extra little tips to to help us with our relationships during this time. So I have a, a perfect guest today. But this podcast is part of the Spark Media Network, and it can be found on the Edify app, Pray.com, and KHCB Uplifted Streaming, and all the other major platforms where you're probably listening to as well. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, appreciate you so much and um, always love spending this time with you. But today, um, Dr. Shannon Francombe, uh, who is an LMFT, is a licensed psychotherapist with extensive um, expertise treating individuals, couples, and families with a wide range of presenting problems. With specific education and training as a licensed marriage and family therapist, she is qualified to work with individuals of all ages and families dealing with a variety of concerns, including, and this is a lot, but man, uh, she, she attacks the issues, depression and anxiety, trauma, addiction, grief and loss, marital and relationship problems, family issues, parenting, co-parenting, divorce, eating disorders, postpartum concerns, um, uh, faith crisis issues, and many, many more. So Dr. Shannon, she currently runs a private practice outside of uh, not too far from my hometown, but outside of Dallas, Texas, where she treats patients and supervises associate and intern therapists and develops and presents various workshops around the community. Dr. Shannon fosters a therapeutic relationship with clients utilizing compassion realness, I love that, realness and validation and enjoys incorporating humor into sessions. I really like that. Dr. Shannon grew up as an army brat, living all over the country and relocated to Texas in 2014. She has been married uh, for over 10 years, has three beautiful children, and Dr. Shannon enjoys trail running, reading, baking, warm weather, me too, sister, um, animals, and spending time with her family and friends. And she completed her bachelor's degree at BYU, a master's degree at Arizona State University, and doctorate degree at North Central University. So welcome to Visibly Fit, Dr. Shannon. I am so excited that you're with us. This is such an interesting time of year. So good to have you with us. Thank you. Yeah, this is so awesome. This is such an interesting time of year. And, and in your bio, you say you're an army brat. And so immediately I'm like, oh my goodness, she has had kind of the, um, the world's uh, education, if you will, of, of learning about people <laughs> and, and how they tick and, and meeting probably some interesting people along the way through, through your growing up years. So tell us before we get started, um, how did you come into becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist and, and how did that passion all evolve? I would say that it sort of found me. 
um, in a way. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to, you know, do um, when I grew up. Um, when I was in college, I still didn't know quite yet. Um, I knew that I wanted to work with treating people, and so I had, you know, I kind of did some pre-nursing, and then I was thinking about medical school, um, and it just was like great, but not quite where I was supposed to be. Um, and then I graduated um, from from college. Um, with a with a bachelor's in exercise physiology, so I sort of started working with people with their bodies. That's cool. Essence. I didn't know that. That's awesome. You know, the training and um, physical therapy and that and that sort of stuff. Um, but while I was in college and you know having various roommates, um, I just you know you got to know them and you heard about where they're from, their backgrounds, and their families. And I just started to notice, okay, like there's these patterns or these common issues that happen in all families across the board, no matter what part of the country they're from, no matter what religion they have, there's just these common problems. And I was just like, there's got, I mean, there's got to be a reason to that. Um, and that's what sort of piqued my interest when it came to um, relationships and families um, and different mental health issues and psychology. Um, and I graduated, still didn't quite sure know what I was gonna do. And I was talking with my uncle one summer um, after I graduated and he was like, well, no, you could, you can go get a master's degree. Just finished my, my bachelor's. I was like, I'm never, I don't want to go back school. <laughs> More school? Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I was like, but you know what? This isn't where I don't want to, I don't want to do a master's degree in like this field per se. He was like, well, you can get a master's degree in anything. And so I just, um, I was moving to Arizona, um, that fall and I just started searching through different programs at, at Arizona, in, in Arizona and this one popped up and I, it was that, it was that, it, I just knew it. It was this almost, it was like this mind and body um, sensation experience. And I was like, I don't really know a whole lot about this, but this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I just hit <laughs> submit <laughs> for an application. And then the all, the rest is history, as they say. And the rest of my journey all the way up to here um, over and over again, um, puzzle pieces just continue to fall into place as they should. I, I like to think of it as the mechanism of a clock and how there's those things that just sort of go like this, you know, yeah. and that's how it's been from, from there forward. I so. would say it's very been, uh, divinely appointed then. And so yeah, sure. I love that. I yeah. love that. Well, cool. Well, um, you, you mentioned with your roommates and with other, uh, just, I, I, you know, I mentioned you being an army brat and, and seeing all kinds of people mm -hmm. growing up. Um, you know, what are these common problems that, that you see and what that brings people to see you? What are these common threads that you see over and over again so that we can kind of, um, the listener kind of say, yeah, yeah, that happens in my family too. And then how can we um, address those in just a second of, of maybe how to get through them a little bit easier? With regards to roommates, we had various, um, you know, women roommates. And so one of the common problems with women, especially in that age group of, you know, 18 to 25, um, is going to be eating disorders, um, self-esteem, body image, all that sort of stuff. And it, that was a very, very common thing. You know, some, all of, you know, my friends and roommates had something like that to one degree or, an, or another of severity. Um, and they would talk about different things that their mom or dad would, would say or do um, that were just sort of these common threads. Um, another being a lot of um, contention between parents. Some parents were still married. Some parents were divorced. Um, and then as well as tension with one or both parents. 
um, and a lot feeling like they don't, they don't understand or they have unrealistic expectations of me or I, you know, wanting to sort of please and validate their parents, but not really liking their parents and sort of feeling torn. I remember that those days. <laughs> and, you know, the whole um, talking about different fights and it would be like the same fight. Like we'd share stories and it was like, that's the exact same fight that happened there. That's the same fight that happened there. Um, so th those were sort of the initial ones that I started to yeah. recognize. So does it does it seem like it's a little bit of a, a communication issue as well as not understanding one another's love language? Um, and so let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So when it comes to couples and families, the ones that I typically treat in my practice um, or and individuals, couples will typically come to see me because of either infidelity issues. And if there's not an infidelity issue, then it's. Um, what they refer to as communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and communication is interesting because that's what we sort of call it. But most of us who are functioning adults and, and hold a job obviously can communicate. Right. We don't necessarily have the individual, as individuals, we don't necessarily have a communication problem. We can speak, we can listen, we can type an email, we can express our thoughts <laughs> cohesively, you know, coherently. And um, we, you know, we get promotions, we do customer service. So we know how to communicate. And so then a couple say, well, we, we can't communicate with each other. Oh, and um, that's more where it is, the in-between. So it's not two individuals not knowing how to communicate, but it's sort of this in-between part that gets messed up. And again, it's not about lacking communication skills. It kind of comes down to two things. One being a lack of sort of understanding of one's own emotional world or experience, and then not being able to express that effectively. And then therefore our partner actually isn't getting what we're saying because we're not actually being able to communicate what's going on inside. So it starts with uh, you as the individual first and to get um, a handle on your own emotions and feelings and and understand who you are and whose you are. And, and then you can show up differently. And, and, and I would imagine, I mean, you know, I've lived a lot of years and um, I mean, I've seen different phases of my life as I've, as I've blossomed and matured, you know, there, there's different stages, I believe, as we mature in age, as far as how we communicate and the compassion we give, not just to our spouse or friend, but also to ourselves. And so do you think some of that is is brought on ourselves? Like we just don't give ourselves enough compassion and um and with the the expectations, how would I say it? I guess kind of just peer pressure because of social media and that kind of thing, that it, it causes a, a false identity issue. And that's kind of that inner struggle, do you think? The issue being one of you know, one of the issues being, yes, we're not really sort of in touch with ourselves. We're not really solid in who we are, where we're from, where we're going sort of right. thing. Mm -hmm. And um, if we're all sure of that, our partner can't know that either if we don't even know that. Right. And there's a lot of reasons why we are sort of kind of all over the place or struggling with, with certain things. And yeah, social media being a huge part of that and this sort of comparison culture. Another part being just the, the, the really old school keeping up with the Joneses um, sort of mentality. Um, and another part being our, our family of origin 
and how were emotions talked about or not talked about mm -hmm. in our families growing up? And not only how were emotions talked about, but how were the, how was the expressing of emotions dealt and with? Process. Were you yeah. allowed to express emotions? Mm -hmm. Were you allowed to talk about how you felt? Um, were you not allowed to talk about how you felt? Were there some feelings that you were allowed to have and you were allowed to communicate, but other feelings like being angry? No, don't be angry. Don't be angry. Or you stop crying. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, I'll give you something to cry about. That's <laughs> what I had. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> yeah. And so then crying is just, oh, we only cry like crying's bad. But yeah. And if we do cry, it'll only be about scary, you know, just all sorts of these. <laughs> implicit rules that we grow up with regarding yeah. what emotions are, what's allowed to be expressed, how they're expressed, and then what happens to us and how we feel after we do express them. Because mm. then that teaches us that was, that felt good. That was a good experience or nope, that was not a good experience. I'm not doing that ever again. Right. And we become programmed. And then and, we bring and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we internalize all these messages and then we bring that into our marriage and we have one person with all these internalized messages and then one person with all of these. It's a miracle, really. Marriage is a miracle. I agree. <laughs> so, but um, with that said, um, the miracle of marriage um, is, is something that I think maybe sometimes we uh, as a culture dismiss because it's number one, too easy to get married and number two, too easy to get divorced. Um, and so uh, the miracle of, of marriage needs to go back to the miracle and the person who designed marriage to begin with. And um, that's our heavenly father. But um, as, as we're, I digress, but as we are going into um, this season, this Christmas season, do you see an escalation during this time of year, especially with, with family and marriage tension? And if so, you know, how can someone recognize the start of these tensions so that they can have a different outcome and that they can sit around the Christmas table and, and have a joyful, wonderful holiday time? Yeah, absolutely. The, the holiday season sort of stereotypically known for being a little more messy, right? I think, I, I believe there's more car accidents during this time of the year and that can be equated to weather, right? Um, but there's also a lot more drinking right. um, and social gatherings and, and that sort of stuff. Um, I think the suicide rate comes up a little bit during the holiday season as well. There's a lot of reasons why this is a harder time for people. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's, you know, family. Regardless of, of the culture or, or religion with regards to Christmas, um, a common theme with the holidays is family and getting together. And so when you have that, that means you have in-laws involved. Yeah. And yeah. that's a big reason why there's a lot of kind of stress and tension. Or maybe um, those that don't have family, right? Yes, Too absolutely. Much. They're grieving absolutely. family yes. loss. Yeah. Yeah, because the holidays are also this excited, you know, think about the Christmas songs that we have. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The Christmas is in the air. There's this sort of the palpable like sensation of Christmas and there's a lot of excitement and high expectation. Not all the time those expectations are met. Sometimes there's a lot of just um, who knows what sort of background that people come from, you know, and it can be the holidays can become associated with a lot of disappointment and unmet expectations with regards to Christmas day or just family being there or showing up for you. Um, and so there's kind of some trauma sometimes 
Yeah. And, and it is the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus was born during this time. So they say, I think it's actually more in, I think, March or April. I don't know, but this is when we celebrate it. And so that is what yeah. makes it so wonderful. But we, we do, I think we put so many expectations and, and really we find out maybe you're in like a lonely season and you're like, this isn't so wonderful, <laughs> but, but mm-hmm. to give yourself compassion and love through, through this time and, and realize that we're all going through something and, and to lean right. in and not feel like you have to do it alone and, and to lean in, um, even if, to, to go and meet with someone like yourself so that someone has someone to talk to and that it's okay. It's, it's okay to unpack those feelings and emotions. And so do you have like maybe a, a practical tip to, to help families to enjoy this, the real reason for this season uh, instead of mm-hmm. um, falling into the stress and anxiety that often occurs? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to, to <clears throat> encourage others to, you know, as the season's approaching or even at the beginning or, or even just now, if you're here now and it's like, ah, getting sort of crazy and out of control is to pause and say, okay, what is your reason for the season? If you happen to be of the, of the Christian faith, then it's the celebration of Jesus Christ's birth. Um, if you're Jewish, there's Hanukkah. Um, lots of people from those religions will also sort of celebrate the other as well. There's the commercial aspect of Christmas as well, right? right. Um, but whatever your faith being, yes, that would be your reason for the season. But what else do you want or feel is the reason for the season? Is it about time with your kids, your, your, your immediate family, right? Is it about creating memories? Is it about serving others? Good. Really, just yeah. stepping outside of yourself, yep. and this—you know—the Christmas for me is about bringing like joy to others who are less fortunate. You know, what is your reason? Sort of quiet down all this outside noise. Why do you care about this? Mm-hmm. And then that be the sort of guide. And mm-hmm. if it happens to be more, you know, family oriented and of service, don't put time and energy into making a bajillion Christmas presents for all of your kids' classmates or their teachers or anything, anything like that, that doesn't sort of focus on your reason for the season. Yeah, that's good. Just out of um, obligation or uh, people pleasing. I think there's a lot of people pleasing issues uh, sometimes during this season as well. And do you, do you find that to be true? Oh yes, absolutely. There's, there's, okay. There will be like, okay, well, I've got to get my my second grader. I've got all of their class stuff, and I got to get a, te- a present for their teacher. And then we've got to go over. We've got all of these people, and I've got to make sure I get all these presents here. And just sort of all of this people pleasing. I don't want anybody to be forgotten. And I've got to I've got to give. I've got to make or give or or buy something to give to show them. Um, yeah. And a lot of worried about well, so and so's mom's going to be sending cookies this year to that the comparison. Christmas party. I have yeah. to. What am I going to do? I got to. I've got to either meet that or, or up my game because the teacher will think I'm not a good parent or I don't care. Or I'm not involved. And so, yeah, a lot of worrying about what others are going to sort of think yeah. when in reality, we are all just sort of worried about ourselves and our own family. We're really not paying attention to, right. to right. what Miss, you know, Miss Smith over across the street is, is sort right. of doing. Like if it's on your heart and you have time and it feels good, do it. But um, honestly, the last couple of years, I didn't even send out Christmas cards and I was like, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Here's, here's our photo on, you know, on Facebook, you know, that was about as good as I could get, but you know, this year might be different and that's okay. 
But I think sometimes we just put that pressure on ourselves. So um, why do you suppose that um, when certain hardships hit a marriage or, or a family, that couples tend to turn against each other rather than support one another? And do you have any examples that you can share, obviously, without sharing names? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when we think of some sort of like trial or hardship, whether it be um, loss of a job, um, loss of a child, anything, anything like that, these situations tend to either bring couples closer or drive them apart. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with how um, if we're talking about a marriage, for example, how each spouse just deals with hardships to begin with. So let's say we're discussing a hardship that has to do with grief. The whole process of grief and mourning is a very individual experience. Um, people mourn how they mourn. Part of learning about the mourning process and going through the grieving process is understanding that everybody grieves differently. Yeah. So that in and of itself, um, if we're talking about grief per se, uh, but just dealing with hardships in general, that in and of itself is that everybody deals with and processes hardships differently. Um, chances are you and your spouse are going to deal with those things differently. So you begin to see your spouse dealing with this in a way that you don't, it doesn't resonate with you. And you're sort of, then you start to tell yourself stories like he or she doesn't care. He or she doesn't get it. Um, and maybe there's even blame. Mm -hmm. on your on your partner because of the hardship again depending on the nature of it yeah, yeah. so big piece being we just we can see we conceptualize and then deal with hardships differently and um then if our partner is sort of not responsive to our way of dealing that sort of creates a whole other hardship is that yeah, no, I think, yeah, totally. And I think, um, as you mentioned, just that inner dialogue that really are lies that you start telling yourself like, oh, they don't care. Look, they're not even grieving. And that, that's not true. They're just grieving in a different way. And maybe they're not grieving the same way you are, but but they are. And, um, and then you start to paint this picture of what really isn't there. And then that's what causes the wedge. And so um, we know that the family unit is vital. I mean, it's just vital. And there's, there's, you know, I don't even know the statistics uh, currently of, of divorce. I'm sure you do, you do. But um, what would you say in terms of, of those that have faith versus those that don't? And maybe, maybe uh, you don't have any stats on that. I'm just curious because I would think that those that have uh, a high level of, of faith, a good foundation, tend to have a greater success in dealing with um, traumas or, or grief or anything that they're dealing with as a couple or a family. Yes, um, um, there are. I don't, I don't know yeah. the most recent the numbers. Stats. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Yes. But typically in the past, if a couple had some sort of faith-based, you know, paradigm with regards to marriage, um, it was sort of a buffer or this protective factor that decreased the chances of divorce. And the reason for that, there's multiple reasons, but one being um, if you have the same sort of faith or background, there's going to be more similarities than differences, mm -hmm. therefore less to fight about, right? Right, right. That's why they say be equally yoked, right? Sure. Yes, yes. Um, and then also with regards to your understanding of and your belief in you know, the purpose of life or what happens after. Um, a lot of those types of things can bring comfort 
they can also bring pain for some as well. Um, but that can be a guiding, a guiding light for couples. Mm -hmm. Um, what's interesting though, is over the past couple of decades, having a religion and common religion, the protective factor is sort of decreasing a little bit. So let's say this was the divorce rate at like 50% of just all couples. And, and, you know, 50% would get, this was sort of like the, the well, divorce rate would be lower with couples who, um, had like a faith-based, you know, or religion. There's was a, there was a, there was, theirs was less of a divorce rate. It's sort of starting to come to be about even, and it's having less of a positive impact. On Interesting. Couples. Let's talk about right. that. Why yeah. do you think that yes. is? I, I believe that when it came to, well, another part of religion playing a role in keeping a marriage together, sort of decreasing the chances of divorce is because there's a lot of shame around divorce. I mean, nobody just wants to experience or go right. through divorce, but there's, if there's so many layered factors to divorce um, with regards to shame and what are your religious beliefs about divorce? Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Um, and it becomes, it's becoming more common in general, right? Over, over the years. A, a good thing has been happening with regards to sort of all religions. And I'm talking about like the organized religion part, mm -hmm. sort of being a little bit more progressive with not sort of implementing this like shame and guilt mentality when we're not perfect. Right. 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 And that's good since we're feeling less shame and guilt about our mistakes or worrying about what others are going to think and our failures that was actually a big part of keeping couples together. Right. right or wrong, whether that was a good thing or not, that was a that was a factor. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. No. It it kind of does. And also, I would I would say I would kind of challenge, I guess, the conversation to say that maybe people aren't practicing their faith like they used to, and so therefore they dismiss it and don't really see um, the biblical truth of. I mean, I'm talking with my audience here, since this is mainly a, a Christian faith-based audience, the biblical truths of what God says around a marriage. And so they're not um, as compliant, if you will, because they're just not practicing and even reading God's word and, and really resonating. They're just kind of doing their own, uh, own thing, living their own life and, and dismissing. So maybe that's why it's kind of starting to become a little more balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, unfortunately, <laughs> actually, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. our our children need uh, and deserve, and, and I'm I'm a I'm a second married. I mean, I've been married twice, you know. So I, I I'm speaking from experience. I, I know the power of having uh, a solid family, and then whenever there's a broken part, how it really does affect uh, the children, and it, it's just hard. So I, I don't think that that's how we're designed, but. Uh, it does happen. And so as a licensed marriage and family therapist, you are someone that can help these families maneuver in a healthy way. And there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's none of that. It's just getting them to a place of, okay, this is really right for us to do this or that, or no, we do have what it takes and let's reevaluate um, how we're 
quote unquote, communicating to one another. And actually it's like communicating with myself and figuring myself out. And then, cause, cause two broken people or one broken person can really affect the, the wholeness of a marriage. So it's about getting yourself whole, right? Yeah, absolutely. In order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have two healthy people. I mean, you're not going to yeah. make an apple pie with rotten tomato or with rotten apples and or tomatoes, you know, to see whatever so you're bringing ingredients into this recipe of marriage. Yeah. And it, if something's like stale or old or like it's a hot mess or, or traumatized or just, you know, that's going to yeah. get all mixed in there and it's going to have an impact. So that's really true. healthy, um, two healthy individuals coming into a relationship. It, it's the, the chances of that being successful and happy and fulfilling, you know, are extremely, extremely. High. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And, and we all have our hot mess moments. And I think that that's something to talk about too. Like none of us are going to be so whole because uh, none of us are perfect. We're, we're a sinful bunch. And so um, regarding our hot mess moments, what, what are maybe some tactics or some tools that you would suggest for someone uh, in order to um, get through a hot mess moment with their spouse or with a family member, their their teenager or whatever, uh, especially during this this season, do you have like maybe some a one two three? Here's what you do. Here's some things to 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 look at so that you can get through this easier and better. Sure. Yeah, I would say the big the biggest thing that I usually talk about with people when it comes to um, just you know just conflict in general, um, but then especially with the holidays is. We usually think of just anger when it comes to conflict, right? I mean, those two sort of go hand in hand. And do you think that has to do with control? It depends, right? Yeah, so yeah. This, is, this is how I like to present it. I, 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 I'll, in my office, when I work with people, I'll draw it on the board and I'll call it the anger tree. Uh-huh. And I draw a tree and then I draw, you know, a line and then I draw roots. And the anger, anger tree is what we see above ground. Mm-hmm. And the roots is what's actually underneath anger. And so I have this visual representation of here's anger, the tree, what you see, and that's a secondary emotion. And all of the roots are the primary emotions. That is where all of the anger comes from. And those roots, those basic emotions are going to be things like fear, hopelessness, um, insecurity, whatever it may be. And so I, yes, grief, all, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, And so it's whenever you're, this is what I like to do. Whenever you're angry, you have to figure out what it is that you're actually feeling, where that's coming. I mean, you can, you're feeling anger, but it's come, it's come from somewhere else. And when you said control, um, I love when when people come to me and they say, oh, my, my, my spouse is a control freak or I'm a control freak. And I'm like, great. Now we can, we can fix that. (laughs) We can work on that because the control it's, it's not because you wake up each day plotting how can I upset others by trying to micromanage them or control them? That's not, that's not what control freaks do. They don't wake up thinking about how to make others miserable. Right. Wanting to control things and to have things just so comes from a place of fear. And it's all about just sort of creating some sort of structure or stability to help them feel more secure. So fear being one of the primary emotions. Yep. It's going to be into anger. It's going to manifest as anger or it's going to manifest as, as controlling or anything like that. So my biggest thing would say anger. Great. You've identified that. Okay. What's underneath it. And then that's what we start to work with. And then it would be for other people who are dealing with anger, whether it's their teenager, who's just, ah, oh, she's such a snot and she's always slamming the door and all of this. I'm like, okay, she's angry, right? Well, now you know that there's something underneath. Yeah. And if you can just talk to her about or identify what's actually there, 
start talking to her about that. That's so good. And to pull that root out, right? From yeah. that tree yeah. that that's yep. that's really cool. That's a good um visualization to see that. Um in my quiet time this morning, I was um uh, reading about Moses and he was um in the promised land. Uh, you know, they were trying to get to the promised land, the Israelites, uh, but they were, you know, grumbling because they didn't have water. And and God's like, All right, Moses, take your staff and go hit the rock and 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 calmly and gentle. Uh, do this. Um, and I'll, you know, expose water and everybody will be happy. It'd be great. Well, in his frustration, because the, here's the roots, right? Here's the roots. He's, he's, he's tired. He's frustrated because all these people are are complaining and whatever. He goes at that rock with anger. Therefore, I mean, the water still happened because God promised the water, but the anger kept him from the promised land because God said, do this in a gentle, kind way, or I can't remember the exact words, but gently. And so I think how often uh, we are are so just human, right? Like we we really do have good intentions and we do want to give people what they want and, and ourself as well, but we go at it with just that 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 wrong attitude and it can trip us up and keep us stuck and not get into our promised land. Imagine if you were in his shoes, Moses' shoes. Oh, I'd be exhausted all- too. <laughs> sure. Exhausted. And how terrified would you be to be responsible for all of these people? Like seriously. Of he was dealing with so much like fear and yeah, and yeah. worry and all of this pressure. And so yeah, all of that, those are all roots for anger. And so it, it just, I mean, it makes absolute sense when we sort of like pull back and we sort yeah. of look anger, we understand that anger and then there being the roots. It all just really, really makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, it really does. And that anger won't get you to where you want to be. Uh, and that's in a healthy relationship. So I appreciate you so much, Dr. Shannon. I mean, you um, are helping so many people and I know you have an incredible practice there at uh, in the Dallas area. And so thanks for coming on. Is there like maybe one thing that you would uh, leave with my audience that maybe is something that you um, tell your your patients on a regular basis that might be something of encouragement to help them in this time? Or if they're feeling a little stuck, what's kind of a, a, a phrase or, or, or some word that you would give them today? Okay. Um, that's a good question. I have a lot of different things that apply to, you know, different situations yeah. um, and Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that's coming to me right now is just take a breath Mm. and just remember who you are. And then that can sort of guide you with regards to this matters. This doesn't matter in the long term, This doesn't matter either, but just remember who you are, which is a child of God. And a lot of that will be very helpful in sort of navigating through different challenges. Um, Of course, I like to say that there's a lot of resources, right? There's religious, faith resources, there's doctors, there's therapists, there's a lot of resources that I think Heavenly Father and Jesus have provided for us to use to get healthy and to get whole. So utilize the gifts and blessings that that we have. That's so good. Thank you so very much. If someone wants to look you up, and um, I know that you practice again in the Dallas area, uh, is it um, what, what is your website? It's just www.shannonfrankum.com. Shannonfrankum.com. That is so perfect. All right. If you're listening and you want to find out more, go to her website. Uh, but thank you so much for for joining us today and for Absolutely. sharing your insight. And uh, blessings to you and your family and have a Merry Christmas. 
Thank you so much for having me and Merry Christmas to you guys as well. All right. Take care. And thank you for tuning in to Visibly Fit. We will catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love spending this time with you. To learn more and get more free resources, just head on over to wendypet.com. And thank you in advance for sharing this episode and this podcast, following and subscribing not only to this podcast, but finding me on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are, I'm probably there too. Until next week in our next podcast time together, make it a visibly fit day.